This show is sponsored by Duncan Cold K Cups. Duncan Cold K Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. It's convenient and tasty. You brew over ice, straight out of the Keurig coffee maker. You just brew over ice and you sip them in seconds. You're going to love these Duncan Cold K Cups. Enjoy the bold, smooth Duncan taste you know and love. Find Duncan Cold Coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when you hear that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably thinking, yeah, sure, what's the catch? Well, uh, there isn't one. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. The team here at Literally has tried Mint Mobile out, and this is the review. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. It was great. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan, for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hello, Literally friends. Before we launch season three of this amazing podcast, I want to share with you one of my favorite interviews I have ever conducted. Please enjoy this wonderful chat with my friend, the comedic genius, Mike Myers. Mr. Low, ready now? What? Wait, you have a ukulele in your hand. Yes. Give me some of that. New theme song to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Hold on, ready? Hold on. Stories. He's got stories. That's it. Oh, yeah. Yum, yum. Well, Rob. Yum, yum. Yum, yum. Here we are. I'm so excited. Yes. Welcome to Literally. I'm your humble host, Rob Lowe. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Mike Myers. I love him. I have been friends with him since, gosh, 1989, 1990. Um, we made a movie called Wayne's World together. We made a movie called Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery together. Um, we've been through marriages, kids, successes challenges, friendship, and he is, this is going to come as a shock. 
This is the thing that people, I, this is what I, I don't think people really realize about Mike Myers. He's funny. He's really, really funny. Oh, by the way, during this, <laughs> during this conversation, you're going to hear us say yum, yum, like a lot. It's, it's an inside joke that Mike and I always do to crack each other up. I, so I'm, I'm apologizing in advance, but that's the price you pay for getting two really good old friends together. There's going to be a lot of inside stuff. It just, it makes me laugh. So be on the lookout for that. I think it's from an an ad for Bailey's Irish cream that we used to laugh about. I, I don't know. Anyway, um, so uh, yum, yum. And uh, here is Mr. Mike Myers. First of all, um, when did you start playing the ukulele? Oh, if you're an English person, you're issued the ukulele. You're telling me that English people have ukuleles? And yeah. Where did the Hawaiians get them then? Um, from English people. <laughs> Was it? No, just George Harrison used to play ukulele. I'm a cheeky burglar, a burgle and white small. I'll break into your cottage. And I'll take a shit on your flow. Cheeky burglar. That, that's a, an obscure Lennon and McCartney song. I'm a cheeky burglar, a burglar and what's more. I'll break into your cottage and I'll piddle on your flow. That was the uh, liver, Liverpudnian accented version. It's a guy named George Formby. There's an English comedian named George Formby who used to play the ukulele and sing cheeky songs. So I made up a George Formby-esque song as if that isn't the world's most narrow, narrow casting of, of, a, of a topic. Well, listen, that's that's, that's one I of have. the things I love about you is your obsession, your obsessions, period. I mean, yeah. George Formby. Are we started? We oh, started. we started. We, or did we, we start started. Before? We start, you know, oh. this is the new, okay. this is, uh, Mike, this is the new show business. Okay. There's no beginning. Mm. There's no end. Uh, right. Um. It never was. It always will be. This this interview could go could literally just be Lauren the whole time. It's very sad, but what? <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're not. We're not doing Lauren. It's doing. We're doing Doctor Evil. Um, no. Uh, do you remember the first time we met? I do. Um, was it Paris? No, I don't remember. Where was it? It was in was it it Lauren's was, office on it was Saturday Night Live. But it was your office, and and you had the the poster of Mike Myers Halloween in the back, right? Right. And you were talking about, you know, what you were going to write for my episode. And you asked me, you said, we're going to do a Wayne's World or a Sprockets. Which one do you want to do? And I was like, Wayne's World. Let's do Sprockets. Right, right. And we did Sprockets. And I remember that hurting my feelings at the time. But anyways, go ahead. Um, It didn't hurt my feelings. And it shows you what I know. Mike, I can always Mm. pick the hits. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We just both end up talking like Lauren. I know. Mike, the thing is... I just keep picking the hits. (laughs) Right. The first time you meet Rob, you think, oh, no. Second time, 12th time. For the the, the uninitiated, when I started asking Mike what it's like to host Saturday Night Live, he he gave me Lauren's advice, which was what, Mike? I don't remember. What was it? The first time you host, it's like you don't know what you're doing. The second time you host, you know a little bit more, but you still don't know what you didn't know the first time. The third time... You host, it's like being shot out of a cannon. The fourth time you host, the cannon is pointed in a different direction, but you're still inside of it. But it's flying in, in a totally <laughs> area, but you know that it's there. The fifth, the fifth time, time you, host, you host, there isn't a fifth time because you're sedated. The sixth time you're hosting, someone else is hosting in your skin suit. The seventh time, <laughs> <it is. laughs> 
<laughs> it's seventh time you host, you're in a diving bell. The eighth time you host, it's by phone. The ninth time. Tom Hanks is doing it, so you're just home watching. Tenth time you host, it was all a dream. Eleventh <laughs> time you host. How many dinners have we had, Rob? How many dinners have we had? Honest to God. I must have had dinner with you. I'm not even kidding you. 3,000 times. I think. I think 3,000 times. And the mm. last time we had dinner, and it's been way too long, but you, you're, you're right in the thick of family raising. I've been there. I know what that's like. Mm. Um, yeah. It, yeah. That's, it's all it is. And it, by the way, it's the best investment you'll, you'll ever mm. make. I'm, uh, but yeah. it's been, it's been so, so long. But do you remember what happened the last time we had dinner? Who came up to the table? I do. No. Is this a, you, are you teeing me up for an impression? No, no. Well, you're going to do the impression. Who was it? Paul McCartney. Oh no way! Okay, it was me, you, and Lauren, and Dana, and it was the the Wayne's World 25th anniversary. We all went to dinner after the big uh, screening, and Paul came up to the table and said the following: "Oh, I can't do a Paul McCartney. Oh, ah, oh, oh, (laughs) Wayne's World. Oh, that's a classic. (laughs) Very bad. Oh, Wayne's World." Yeah, that's great, though. Oh, did I tell you uh, I, I I sat next to Paul McCartney during a screening of Wayne's World 2? No. Uh, I was so nervous. This was in London, and uh, he was really chatty, you know what I mean? And uh, I was so nervous because, you know, I had only, like, seen it a couple times in front of an audience, you know? And I just, you, you just hope the movie has a good show because it's all different for different houses. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's great, Mike. Did you write that? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> trying to get him to stop talking. He goes, that's a funny bit. Do you, how do you write? Uh, hard work. I do it a lot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I, in my head, I was thinking, why couldn't I sit next to the quiet one? I had to sit next to the cute one. <laughs> but he was just unbelievable that I was like, Myers, have you no sense? It's Paul fucking McCartney. And you're sitting next to him. But this is what happens when you're so... So ensconced in your work, you lose all sense of, you know, where I'm being short with Paul McCartney, like, and doing that sort of like hand pointy, look, the screen's over there. Take it down. Take it down, Paul McCartney. Trying to watch the movie. Put a lot of work into it. Did you, figure, did you shush him? Did you, you ever get resorted? Shh, Paul. Yeah. Shh, shh, shh. Say back. Hey, World Heritage Site. Shh. You know, I played Colonel Sanders, right? Have we talked about this? Yes. We haven't talked about it, but I did know you. You played Colonel Sanders, who, as you know, I am obsessed with. Oh, you've spent how many? How many? And, por- uh, you know, he lived in Toronto. I don't know if you know that he lived in Toronto, Colonel Sanders. Colonel Harlan Sanders, the Kentucky Colonel. Yes, the Kentucky Colonel lived in Mississauga, Ontario, which is a suburb of Toronto. I was obsessed with Colonel Sanders. I thought he was a great character, and I thought that Americans had so much narrative power. You know, the ability to create a story. That if, you know, if Rome ruled with the broadsword and Britain with the three-masted ship, America has ruled the world with the narrative, how strong the American narrative is. And you guys had so much, you American folks, had so much story power that you even had a guy for chicken. Like the chicken guy was so complete. And you could go as him for Halloween, and I have. (laughs) And I have. And so he became my obsession. I have gone as uh, Colonel Sanders for Halloween. And um, then I saw that you were playing Colonel Sanders and I was very, very envious and jealous. And, uh, you know. Not only did I play Colonel Sanders, but I sent 
one of his sandwiches into space. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the zinger. That was. Uh, Is that what you call having a dump? <laughs> I sent. The I sent a into zinger space. into space, baby. Space. Sorry, I was late. I was sending a zinger into space, dropping the kids off at the pool. If I said that to the ad agency, they would have been like, "Fuck, we've spent so much money on this campaign." Mm. And Rob Lowe told it to Mike Myers, and he thought it was taking a dump. God damn it! Oh, I was no, we actually being silly. we I'm actually sorry. sent sorry, a sorry yum sorry yum brands yum yum we yum yum we sent a sandwich in space, and that's when yeah. they had me at hello. I was like, I guess you know everybody had played Colonel Sanders. You know, Norm Macdonald mm. had played him, and mm. and they somebody quit, and mm. they were like, you know, this is the the good calls you get from your team. They're like agents and like whatever they're like hey listen i don't know this is weird but like would you have any interest in in two days playing colonel sanders in a commercial mm. it's a commercial in which they send a sandwich into space i said i'm sorry what'd you say mm. send a sandwich mm-hmm. in space <laughs> oh yes I, absolutely i'll be there um but you you haven't painted my portrait as colonel sanders mike has painted how many colonel Sanders por- portraits have you painted i think i'm in the 20s now I've painted Colonel Sanders about 20 times. I will often buy paintings and kernel them and put a kernel in it. Like I got this painting of uh, of a landscape and I put a kernel walking away in the snow. I bought a painting of a beach and put him relaxing in a cabana, you know. I just thought it was just kind of how we're all just supposed to accept that there's a kernel in our lives. And first of all, my dad's whole take on it was... Those Americans, my dad was from Liverpool. It was like, they've even managed to militarize chicken, you know, <laughs> Colonel Sanders. And uh, I was just, I've been obsessed with, with the Colonel for a long time. I put him in, so I married an axe murderer as part of a secret organization. And, uh, you know, just love the Colonel. And you got to play him. I saw that. But you know what I saw, Rob? You know, I watch, um, I watch a lot of military history channel and the American mm-hmm. Heroes channel and the History yeah. Channel. And I'm watching, I think, something on the Pacific, USA in the Pacific. And I believe I heard you saying it was the 25th day in Corregidor. The men fought bravely, fighting off leeches. They fought for democracy and each other. And that was Rob Lowe. They're great, by the way. I would do those in a heartbeat. In a fucking heart. Dude, when when you get a chance to say that kind of stuff, again, I'm in. Yeah. You like your eloquence. You like your, which is why you were perfect for for uh, West Wing. The, we're not talking about a time. We're talking about a time in history. Like those, <laughs> you you like, you know what I'm saying? You would have been great in Mad Men as well. That kind of like, they're not buying a sandwich. They're buying a memory. Because <laughs> you've got one of those, you've got one of those faces that should be saying important things. You know what I mean? <laughs> I... I, and by the uh, way, yeah, no. I am struck by how handsome you are. And every time I see you, it's like with Vern, God bless him, God rest his soul. You're obsessed how little he was. I saw Vern Troyer, who's mini me, I was like, oh my God, he's really small. And then you forget about it. And every time I see you, Rob Lowe, I go, he's like so <laughs> handsome. I forget every time you just walked in before and I was like, Jesus, dude, that's a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're such like an American. You're like the brawny towel man, dude. Yeah. There you go. There I said it. Oh my god! It's uh, it, but you're right. It, and Vern was the same. You'd be like, he's even shorter than I thought, and I've seen him all day. Yeah, but then you forget it. Then he's just Vern. You know what I mean? And you threw him around a lot. 
he wanted to be thrown is the truth of it. And he was a really great comedian, a great stunt person. And, uh, you know, my training in improv is to say yes. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know if he had improv training, but my God, his, his whole thing was yes. And he didn't want to ever be like, you know, Vern, it's okay. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. He was always like, no, I'm in, I want to do it. But he just, we just kept giving him more and more. And I miss him. He's a good dude. He was the best. Yeah. How did you find him? Jay, I for- Jay Roach found him. It's one of the most amazing dial-ups ever where you sort of put into a script. And then there's a one, I don't know, one twelfth replica of Dr. Evil. And Jay's like, okay, I'm on it. And then he goes, what about this guy? I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. He's perfect. Um, and same with uh, Scott Evil. You know, Jay was like, here's Seth Green. He's perfect. And he was. And he is. So one of those people, like yourself, who makes things better than written. Oh, you're very nice. You, do you, I, rem- I remember, because I, I play the golf hole every day. Well, not every day. Mm. But when I play, I play the same course. And I know exactly where on the course you and I were playing golf. Right. Where I was doing R.J. Wagner impersonation. And you called Robin on the phone and said, you have to hear this. And I did. And then I for- we forgot about it. Mm-hmm. I forgot about it until I read the script and there in the script, you would secretly put in young number two, but you would print this young number two. Yeah. As played by Rob Lowe. You put it in the script didn't you? is my memory. I do that. Yeah. Because you know, if you build it, they will come, you know, that's right. What else is going on, Rob? What's going on with you? What's going on? Well, what's, what's, happening? what's going with you? What's going with you? Me? Yeah. I'm running this show. Let's I'm asking the you, questions. Dude. This is my podcast. Is it? I'm doing my podcast simultaneously to you doing your podcast, by the way. Uh, you just did a Jedi mind trick on me. Yes, I did. And it worked. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. This has been amazing. Oh, are this we is- starting? <laughs> <laughs> um, who, would, who would win in a fight, Austin or Dr. Evil? These are the kind of hard-hitting questions that my podcast is um, grounded in. Are these viewer write-ins? Yes. Viewer write-ins like Willie Templeton from... Thunder Bay, Ontario writes, who would win in a fight? Austin Powers or Wayne Campbell? It's, it's, uh, it's very Larry King Live. Did you ever do Larry King Live? I did Larry King Live. Did you? Yeah, and it's like, hang on, Hackensack, New Jersey, go ahead. You're on with Mike Myers. Roanoke, Virginia, go ahead. A lot of people in Roanoke. He had a lot of viewers yeah. in Roanoke. Yeah. Roanoke, Virginia, go ahead. You're on the air. Thank you, Larry. I'm a Long-time fan, first-time caller. What's your question? Go ahead with your question, please. He had no patience. No patience. But also, it, it was mildly insane at times. He said to me, Mike, you're from Toronto. You love hockey. When the Toronto Maple Leafs come out all dressed in green, you must get so excited. Uh, and I was like, well, Larry, they, uh, they wear blue. No, they don't. Come on. Yeah, they do. Toronto Maple Leafs wear green. Are you thinking, and then I start to get generous because I'm like Canadian and I go, oh, you're sure, thinking people of the Toronto St. Pat's, the S- Toronto St. Pat's. No, I'm not. Toronto Maple Leafs, oh. they wear green. Green's their color. Leaves a are leaf green. is green. Mike, Mike, a leaf is not <laughs> blue. I don't know green. if you know that. <laughs> Who would make a blue like, leaf? Okay. Well, I get excited when they come out, Larry, even though they're wearing blue. No, they're not. Leaves are green. What are you going to tell me next? Sun's brown. It's orange. What's the worst interview you ever had? I had this one guy ask me who would win in a fight, Austin Powers or Dr. Evil, and I just lost it on them. 
And I did you say the fuck? You're like, this is the state of journalism today. No, I said, I thought about it and I went, yeah, yum, yum. (laughs) 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 What a dick maneuver. I was just such a dick just now, but it was funny. And we'll be right back after this. Well, you know, no two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas, this vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activity allow for such an infinite number of different travel experiences. I mean, I love Texas. I go like this. The people of Dallas, the culture of Austin, and I love any time I get there. If you're a beach person, well, you can go have fun in the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're a rugged vacation type, there's campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, golf is nuts there, foodies, you got your Texas barbecue and live music in Austin. And of course, if you're into the cowboy scene, you can certainly find it there. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom trip matched to their own unique interests. So visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Hey, everybody. Join Macy's and Girls, Inc. to empower a new generation of leaders now during Women's History Month. Throughout March, you can help fund STEM and college and career readiness programs for girls when you donate online to Girls, Inc. or round up your purchase. Plus, shop women-owned and founded brands like Kaylee Cosmetics, New Face, and Better Not Younger. Learn more and celebrate the creative power of women now and all year round at Macy's.com slash purpose. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Where are you right now? You seem to be, you seem to be in a top-secret facility. I am. I'm a in- hardened bunker. I'm in my I'm in my basement, which I also call the sit room. Right. And that's where situations happen. Right. Well, we are getting older, dude, you know. Oh, I'm aware. Mm-hmm. I'm very aware. I'm uh yeah. I'm, I'm I'm watching the grays come in. You have a beautiful gray hair. Me? Yeah, I'm fully gray now. You have a gray head. Beautiful, beautiful gray head. It used to be salt and pepper and now it's just salt. When did it start? When I was nineteen. Really? Yeah. I've been color treating my hair since the age of 19. No way. Way. Party on, swing, touch my monkey. You're like butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Party on, swing. <laughs> just, just, just run through them and get, get out of my way. swamp. Get out of my swamp, Rob. That's all I can say. There's so many good cultural catchphrases that you're responsible for that and then we have our own together. We have our own private ones, mm. which I yeah. like. We have yum yum. Yum yum. 
Yeah. Should we explain the yum yum? Or I think we, should, we probably should explain <laughs> yum yum. But you do a better job of. <laughs> you actually gave me gold gold cufflinks that say yum yum that I wear proudly. Yes. Probably from Bailey's. Bailey's had ad, a series of ads where it was yum 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 yum. Do you have tasteful, handsome man, gray hair? Like you went to the handsome store and had them put it in. It's hanging in though. It, it's yeah, it grays. It stays. That's what I say. I when did you make the when did you make the um take the John Bon Jovi option? Oh, which is when you just go. You, well, you wake up one day and you go, oh my god, John Bon Jovi's gray. <laughs> no, it's 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 my COVID hair. It's my quarantine hair. I see. I'm in quarantine, so I just was like, I'll just buzz it off. I shaved it. Did it you go bald, in. bald like Doctor Evil bald? No, I went. Um, I went uh, marine. I went like mm. Paris Island. Oh, I don't know why Marine made me think of. It made me think of Full Metal Jacket. That, that's a that's a logic. Right. And then that made me think of Kubrick, okay. which made me think of directors. Right. And then I thought of Quentin yeah. Tarantino. And then I thought I better ask Mike yeah. about Quentin Tarantino. That's how my my mind works. Just so you know. Um, yeah. Sure. How how was it that you were great in that? Was it what was it like being Thank like you. popping into that movie in Inglorious Bastards? I think. As you were describing, was like if somebody called me to play Colonel Sanders, uh, I got a call. Quentin Tarantino wants to talk to you. I was like, okay. Again, thought it was my brother Paul. Picked it up. It was Quentin Tarantino, and he said he's doing a movie about World War II. Would you want to play a British general? And I was like, <coughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> of course I want to play a British general. And we talked about World War II movies. We were supposed to talk for 45 minutes. We ended up talking for eight hours about Come on. various war movies because I, I love war movies. I wouldn't want to actually be in a war, just like I don't think anybody wants to be in an actual horror film situation. But it, you know, my, both my parents were in World War II. My dad was in the Royal Engineers. My mom was in the Royal Air Force. And it shaped who they are and... Uh, and then you know the Nazis were just bad guys, just clearly Nazis, fascists, horrible, horrible people that are, um, you know, just they're the bad guys. And uh, so for me, all the World War II movies are so so clear, like of being on the right side and and fighting the good fight. So I've become a World War II aficionado, and uh, you know he blew my mind because he said. What he's doing, because he knew exactly what he was doing, which is so fascinating. And I have such a respect for him, and I just think he's a hero. But he said, just like with um, uh, spaghetti westerns, he said, I'm making what's called a macaroni combat. That's what the, the, the subgenre is, which is to say that it's a European knockoff of an American war movie, which is like, oh, oh, heaven, heaven. <laughs> And he said that the, the term macaroni combat is actually Japanglish. It's because Japanese film critics had, had coined that term of macaroni combat. And, uh, you know, you talked about this kind of magical reality you wanted to create. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. I wonder how that translates to the page. And then I'm reading the script and I'm like, holy shit, they fucking kill Hitler. They kill Hitler. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I am so in. And on top of it, it is that thing that I love, that kind of British, like, you know, we're here. The enemy's there. You know, your job, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, 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 and I loved every second of it. Shot in Nazi headquarters. No. 
Really? It was all this, yeah, it was all this Albert Speer in, um, I think it's Potsdam. It was in Berlin, anyways, uh, in Germany. And all everything in threes, uh, the type of architecture that makes you feel that the state is more powerful than you. You know, all the Einvoke, Einreich, Einführer, crazy oversized doors that are intimidating. And uh, it then became uh, Soviet army headquarters. And then the Americans, when the Berlin Wall fell, the Americans had it. Now they rent it out for movies. And my first day I get there and I'm wearing my British army uniform and I'm just thrilled, you know, I'm in this room filled with thousands and thousands of World War II uniforms. This is my dream come true. And he goes, uh, you know, Quentin wants to see you. So I go over there and it's the scene where Hitler is getting his portrait done. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and like, there's, and then Quentin Tarantino is like, and action. And then Hitler's like, you know, you know, like the whole Jedi, you know, the whole thing. And I'm like, this is a fever dream. This is a fever dream. You know, I'm in like the place where like, I think Lenny Rufenstahl had an office, like this giant, right. you know, no, no, that's where I picked up my uniform. And then I'm in Nazi headquarters and it's just like Gestapo headquarters or whatever. And there's a guy dressed as Hitler wearing a wrestling cape and a French guy painting him with like a Maywee beret and a mustache. And then it's, and cut. And then Tano turns around and goes, what do you think? I go, what do you think? What do I think? <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is every like Airfix 132nd toy soldier, every, you know, Spitfire. I've made over 700 132nd scale, 172nd scale Spitfires in my life. Every story of my parents talking about the Blitz and my dad, you know, being in the Black Forest and the second wave of Operation Market Garden. It was just a dream come true. And uh, and he was great. And you know, there's no playback, which was weird. Really? For me. And, uh, you know, I did a take and he went, that's great, because it's all pieces, so he knows exactly what he wants. And I said, could I try one more? And then people were like, like a needle scratch, everybody. One more. Mm. I said, yeah, I want to just like, if I did that take, like is it, imagine you're going around a mountain pass and we did that take at 60 miles an hour. I want to try one at 100 miles an hour just to see, you know, for shits and giggles to see if there's one that just has a little something extra in it. And he goes, I never do that. I said, oh, then no, 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 it's all good. I don't care. It's fine. Thank you. It's all good. He goes, go ahead, try one. I said, I, no, it's all good. It's all good. No, no, try one. And I'm like, no, I serve at the pleasure of the president. It's all good. He goes, no, no, try one. Just go ahead. Go ahead. So we try one. And about 10 seconds in, because during my takes, he's looking at this little monitor, the handheld monitor, and I can't see anything except I can see his smile and his head shaking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which of course yeah. just makes you, you know, I felt like Peter Sellers must have felt like mm -hmm. with Kubrick, who would put a furniture pad underneath the mat box and just watch Peter Sellers do takes and just evidently like just laughed out loud and wrecked takes and stuff. But I felt like, oh my God, there's Tarantino. And I'm like in the middle of this British character. And I just was like, it was like almost every one of my dreams come true that I'm playing a Peter Sellers-esque character. And he's got that smile that makes you like go through, I could go through a wall of fire, but then I get this extra take and all of a sudden I get the 
no, I don't like it, face. I'm just in my head going, cut, cut, cut. I want to, I, I have displeased him. I have displeased him. You know what I mean? You got the and don't like said, it face? I, he, yeah, he didn't like it. He said, yeah, you had it two takes back. And I was like, okay, I'm really sorry. He goes, no, 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 there's no story. He goes, I love your character, man. I want to make this fucking movie. I want to make this guy. General Fennec was the name of the character. I want to make the Fennec movie, man. I'm so into the Fennec movie. So, anyways. No no playback. No playback. Because, I mean, you know, for those of you who've never been on a Mike Myers set, um, we, you know, you mm-hmm. live and die. You know, we'll have fun and we'll look at the playback and Mike will be like, oh, yeah, no, that's great. More of that and mm, that, not so much. And then right. you learn and you, you, you go. Well, you try it's and just, just a very different way of working. You try and have every line covered and then you try and put a little crazy juice on stuff because you only get to make the movie once. And it's such a, it's the most expensive entertainment device created by man. And it's a lot to ask people to sit in the dark and not talk about themselves and sit now even more so sit with strangers. And uh, it's such a unbelievable privilege to be able to make stuff, especially stuff that you've written. You want to make sure that every minute of the movie every molecule is as entertaining as it possibly can be um for tarantino the movie is a dream that he's you know if if movies if dreams are private movies and movies are public dreams he knows his dream and kind of like a sculptor who sees the sculpture inside the rock he just takes away the bits of rock that aren't the sculpture and it's done you know what i mean it's such a full dream that he has so for him he he did that all in his head he saw what lines were covered and it was done i don't ever see it that way i need to see playback sometimes you know is there any hope ever of doing sprockets movie i don't know i don't know like it's such an odd time right now you know i i I was born in 1963. I grew up in the 70s. I thought the 70s was like, you know, with the gas shortage and the Munich and punk rock and just, the, you know, the recession. And I thought, oh, it's never going to get weirder than the 70s. <laughs> and it's such a weird time right now. It's, it's hard to explain to, like, you know, people in their 20s how I've never seen anything like this before. So... There's a broader question of of what's to be with show business more than anything. You know what I mean? How are they going to figure out, you know, social distancing? And how are they going to figure out how to make filmed entertainment anymore? You know what I mean? I don't mean to be negative. I'm sure they will figure it out. But it's such a crazy time right now. Also, don't you want to make comedies for people to laugh in a room? Yes, I do. I was raised that, you know, being an entertainer is a very noble profession. It, and uh, you are in service. I am in the service industry. I would like to perform a service and, such as it is or isn't or can be or whatever. It's just such an odd cultural time and it's an odd um, political time. It's, all of it is just, it's just odd. It's odd. <laughs> I can't even, you know... Mr. Eloquent, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just an odd, odd time right now. So in a weird way, if I were to do something like Dieter, I, I don't think I can, you can do anything crazier than what it is right now. You know what I mean? Well, that's exactly what I was going to say is you, 
the level of crazy and outrageousness in our everyday lives is plenty. Yeah. There's this guy, uh, Matt Lucas, who is in Little Britain. He had this thing called uh, Thank You Baked Potato. I don't know if you say, I'll send it to you. Yeah, send it to me. I don't know. But it's uh, this song that he, he sort of put around because he has this character called Baked Potato who. <laughs> I love it already, by the way. Baked Potato, I'm in. And it's, but it's like a George Formby esque song. You know, it's that kind of British music hall silly song. You know what I mean? That is just pure entertainment and silliness, which I think the ukulele gives you. You know what I mean? I, I, it, George Harrison would always say, I, you cannot be sad after hearing a song on a ukulele. You know what I mean? True. Very true. And, um, and he did this thing, and it was uh, sort of like, here's a thing that's happening now, and something, 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 and it's sad. And then it's like, and we need some advice from Mr. Potato. So it's like, wash your hands and keep your saying, thank you, baked potato. Thank you, baked potato. And it was so sweet. It's just a sweet song. It's just sweet entertainment that uh, sort of, you know, in our house now, everything is thank you, baked potato. Like we can't, we can't not say thank you, baked potato every time you say thank you. But <laughs> it just said to me that we're in such a cynical, dark time right now that I think that we need almost like pennies from heaven type movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Escapism. We need Definitely. escapism right now more than, than, you know what I mean? It's, and you got to see this thing. It's Matt Lucas. Thank you, Baked Potato. I can't even give it justice. It's just, and I was just like, oh my God, the genius of just being so earnest and sweet about this thing that is going to be so crazily disruptive. And it's just embrace the sweet right now. That's what it, it felt to me. It, it's just fantastic. Anyways, that's, that's kind of, that's where my, uh, where my chi is right now on, on all of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm same. I'm very much about trying to remind everybody and myself of um, our commonality and, and how much we all have yeah. in common as opposed to um, where we disagree. Yeah, me too. It doesn't seem American to me. I have to say, having British parents and having lived in Canada, one of the things that I always love about America is is this sort of sense, like, if you make anything, this is the best place in the world, because nobody in Canada, it's who do you, and really much in Britain, less so in Canada now, but it's who do you think you are? And in America, it's very, who do you want to be? Mm. And it just, this kind of cynicism just doesn't feel like it's in America's nature, you know what I mean? America's nature is, let's go do it, man, let's make it. That's what I love about, you know, I became a citizen, took the oath, take it seriously. My kids are American, you know what I mean? I love the United States. They're sort of out of character right now. It's very strange. Agreed. That's the America that we all know and love, is Jimmy Stewart, right? And Frank Capra. And I think it's there. I, th I think it's there as much as it ever was, but, you know, there are elements that want us to believe it's not for the mm. sake of ratings, for the sake of selling newspapers, for the sake mm. of their own political agendas, for the sake of selling you something. You, you know, I think it, I, I don't think anything's changed except how we perceive it and, and what we're sold. Now, I can tell you as somebody of English heritage, you know, cynicism, you know, who do you think you are as opposed to 
Who Do You Want to Be, which is America's true nature. It's uh, the can-do thing is so infectious and so right on. And so what we all, those of us who are lucky enough to be allowed into this country and have lived in other countries, we admire that so much. And I know it's corny, but it's true. Being somebody who's made things his entire life, I'm so grateful to the United States for just having the whole mindset of let's go make something. It's possible. You know, if you were to have a restaurant in New York, you know, in any other place in the world, they'd go, you know, the restaurant business is hard. In New York, they go, really? What kind of food is it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think the entertainment, this is what I'm saying about this Matt Lucas thing. It's really like, oh, it's what Lauren used to talk about when he would watch Johnny Carson, no matter how shitty things were. When he would watch Johnny Carson, it was just this continuity. When I saw the Queen's speech, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, yeah, this is the Queen. We have the Queen, whatever. But when her speech, her, her coronavirus speech, moved me to tears, not just because it reminded me of my parents, but because of the dignity of the continuity, the decency of it, you know what I mean? So now I've, I don't paint the Colonel anymore. I paint the Queen. I've, now I've painted like 30 portraits of the Queen. Would you be eligible for the knighthood? Well, I have the Order of Canada. I have the Order you know, of Canada, it's which is unbelievable, which I got on my birthday two birthdays ago. And uh, one of the it's greatest. a medal, and it's a it's it's also you wear it on your lapels, if I'm correct. Is that yeah, right? I wore the medal on the Golden Globes, and some people were like, "He looks like a he looks like Dracula because it's a big medal." <laughs> but I'm like, I'm so proud of Canada, and I'm so proud of getting that thing. I mean. You know, I grew up in government housing, Jack, you know, it's kind of a huge deal, you know? Yeah, hell yeah. And it was international. And I just thought, you know what? If they're going to bestow me with that honor, I'm going to wear it proudly. And, uh, you know, I get to have OC after my name. So I, I have letters in my name, you know? New letters. So it's Mike Myers, OC. It's huge. And you have a street named after you. I do. Is this true? Is I it Boulevard Avenue? Toronto. It's, it's Mike Myers Drive. Drive? And then there's a part of Kennedy Avenue in Scarborough called Mike Myers Way. The easy way. We're going to do it right. The Mike Myers Way. Hi, I'm Mike Myers. Yum, yum. Yum, yum. <laughs> and we'll be right back after this. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. This is a message for anyone with high LDLC or bad cholesterol who has had or is at risk of having a cardiovascular adverse event. Merck is studying an investigational medication to see whether it may help lower the risk of future cardiovascular adverse events. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death worldwide. And in the United States alone, there are over 73 million people living with high LDLC. To learn about whether you may qualify, visit CoralReefStudies.com now. 
Again, that is C-O-R-A-L-R-E-E-F-S-T-U-D-I-E-S dot com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. But dude, you realize that Paul McCartney came up at dinner and told us that Wayne's World Ugh, dude, was a classic. I know. I was like, I wanted to say, no, Sgt. Pepper's is a classic. Are you out of your mind? No, it's all crazy, dude. It's unbelievable. I can't believe it. But now I have kids. And I can't believe that. So I know you're right in the thick of it, man. It's 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 the best. And and you just isn't it funny how what it what it does to your ambition? Well, it also it it does. I mean, it's I'm also like grateful for everything that's happened as well. So that also I don't feel like I wasn't rewarded or approbated for my efforts. And now it's just sort of like okay, I have a choice of, you know, being super ambitious or hanging out with these kids. And this has been the great <laughs> thing for me of, of this whole quarantine is getting to know my kids in such a great way where, in a weird way, it is one big thank you, baked potato, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I, when I, 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 it's the same when I, when my boys were of that age, it's, I find it to be the best age, but then, Every as a parent, everything you go through with your kids is is new and different. And I, I love where we are now. They're, we're back at home together, Mike, Matthew, and Johnny. They're grown men and have their own careers. And you right. know, it, it never it never ends. You think it's going to end, and it doesn't. Right. Um. It just it just becomes That's different, cool. and it's it, and I'll tell you the other thing, Mike, is like they're you're smart enough, and you know understand where you your place in your own life and, and, and always have in such a great way that you're never going to have the regrets that some have where they just weren't or couldn't be there for their kids. It's, it's no. the best investment you can make and it, and it completely pays off. Well, this is, I would have to say that's a big influence on my dad, which is wherever you go, there you are. You know what I mean? So when I was at Saturday Night Live, I didn't think about anything other than that's what I'm doing. And you know what I mean? And so when these three, Little kids, you know, this is where I'm at, and I'm loving it. So, very grateful. I don't know why this just popped into my head, but another memory of us was uh, the very first audience screening, at least the first one I ever went to, of, of Wayne's World. And you know, people forget they, you know, it's such an iconic movie. People, people forget that it was there was not very guaranteed that that movie was going to do well. Nobody really knew what the fuck we ha- was going on, and. You know, it was very much you and Lauren and Dana, and I was along for the ride and happy to be there. But we went, we were Paramount, packed screening, and Bohemian Rhapsody came on. And the place, as as the podcast, the title, it literally exploded. Yeah. I've, I've never been in an audience screening of anything ever mm. and had a, seen a reaction like the audience did when Bohemian Rhapsody came on. Do you remember that? I'll never forget it because it's, it's a mixture of disbelief and relief because <laughs> it's like no guarantees in anything in life. You know what I mean? 
Well, and it's and you and I never talked about it. I only heard it after the fact that there was a lot of pressure to not use Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. Which which is why I loved when you showed up in the movie Bohemian Rhapsody as the guy shitting on it made me it was so delicious. I just can't believe I got that call too. You know, it was like, do you want to do that? I'm like, hell's yeah, of course I do. And they're like, well, I said, what's the character? And they were like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, holy shnikes, I'll tell you what I want to do. And then it was fun because I basically got to do the character I wanted to do. And about a song I love about, you know, it's just all kinds of unbelievable magic. It's crazy kismet. It's really crazy kismet because I can yeah. I can see the studio going. You know what? What would have been the the song of the day? You know, it was Guns and Roses. And some and I love Guns and Roses. Don't get me wrong. I'm not anti Guns and Roses. It just didn't happen to be the song that was that me and my brothers played in Scarborough, Ontario. You know what I mean? And I had a vision for it. And to Lawrence, to Lawrence' credit, he went along with it. You know, Lauren went, no, the kid has a strong vision. We'll support it, you know? Well, that's really the key to making anything is, you know, I, I talk to young filmmakers and young actors is you have to have a point of view. You have to be willing to fight for it. And then yeah. if you have an ally who can help you win those battles, you're so far a- ahead of the game. But I'm grateful um, to it. I'm grateful to Lauren. I, I can't believe Lauren believed in me as much as he did. You know what I mean? Did we have battles? Of course we had battles. Because, you know, he's super smart. Lauren's super smart. But at the end of the day, he believed in me far more than he didn't, you know? And I'm grateful for that. I always will be. Hmm. You know, the other, the other side of that stuff that I always think about is when it's a... Somebody starts questioning your vision. And yeah. if they question it long enough and hard enough, and, and God forbid it's somebody you respect. Right. And somebody who's smart. You go, Fuck. Mm, I don't well is this uh, is this the hill I really want to die on? Yeah. Maybe uh and then you start second guessing yourself and then maybe you give up. Right. And maybe you've now convinced yourself, well, it really is a jump ball. Right. And you give it to them. There here's the scenario that never happens. Hey, the movie didn't work. But you remember right. those jump balls you gave us? Yeah. You know what? You were a mensch. So we're going to make another one. No. No. That not. scenario never happens. That never happens. No, that's a great piece of advice to give somebody, by the way. Right. Because it's true. Yep. And in, and in success, all things are forgiven and yep. in failure, all favors are forgotten. Ooh, right. I just, I think that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Make a note of that. You know. And uh, I love what NASA says about failure. They don't use the F word ever. They always say, um, they call it early attempts at success, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. That's amazing. That's what we like about America. Am I imagining this or that when I did young number two in, in, in the Austin movies that when I was doing my Robert Wagner, it was my Robert Wagner was predicated on knowing the names of all the mater D's at the restaurants. Do you remember, do you remember this? (laughs) Oh, do you know Gigi (laughs) at the Palm? He's fantastic. (laughs) Um, No, but you know, you know, when people say, Oh, you're going somewhere, I got the hookup, you know, yeah. and, you're, and it, they never have the hookup, you know what I mean? There's only two people <laughs> who actually have the hookup, and that's Lauren and Robert Wagner. And so at the end of Austin Power, he said, Mike, are you uh, planning on going somewhere after all this? I said, yeah, I was thinking of going to Venice. Oh, 
let me hook you up. I'm like, okay. You know, like, I don't want, it's not going to be a hookup. And sure enough, I got literally the best room at, uh, oh God, uh, Cipriani's. He goes, I'm going to hook you up at the chip, the Cipriani. The chip. Oh, come on. It's too good. I'm going to hook you up with uh, Luigi. uh, Luigi at the chip. And I was like, nobody's going to really hook me up. So I get there and like a boat picks you up. It takes you to the Cipriani. It's so beautiful. You can't. It's not real Venice. You know what I mean? You're like, good work, yeah. humans. It's how I felt when I came to Manhattan. Good work, humans, you know? And <laughs> I got taken in. I was met by Luigi. And he said, write that this way, Mr. Myers. You know? And, like, there was, like, staff lined up who bowed to me. <laughs> they were taken to this room. And I know how much I was paying a night. And I literally got the bottom floor of the Cipriani that had a view of everything. Anything for you, Mr. Myers. Uh, Robert Wagner called ahead. Mr. Wagner called. And, and literally, no. like, I got like what would be like the cheapest room, and I got the most expensive room. And I was like, you know, that the dining room is like really hard to get into, and it's like there's Sting, and there's, you know, all these different Ugh. people. Matsu, you know, uh, Nobu Matsuhitsa's over there, and, you know, it's all this stuff. Best table in the house. And it I was completely hooked up. How are things going with uh, your chocolate consumption? Because, you know, there's nothing better than chocolate-fueled Mike Myers. L- l- literally, there I is had... no greater. Nothing better than chocolate-fueled Mike Myers. It's my favorite Mike Myers of all the Mike Myerses, of which there are many. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. Um, the uh, I had fish food before this interview and a coffee. Yes! Fish food and uh, coffee. So I was, I had low energy and then I had a, co- uh, then I had some chocolate ice cream and then I was ring, ding, 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 ring, ding, 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 ding. Suddenly you can remember proper nouns. I know. Isn't that funny? That's the first thing that goes are proper nouns. Yeah. It's on the. Oh, I um, think you'll find, Mike, the first thing that goes are proper nouns. Then I would say <laughs> IMDB credits. The second we'll go thing after is that. adverbs. For example, I'm moving with speed. Can't think of it quickly. Yes, quickly. I the third know. thing, that was our riff, was always Lauren numbering the assessment. So the first thing when you do a Lauren impression is number it. The second thing you do, <laughs> we played that game, remember, of did Lauren say it or could Lauren have said it? Oh, absolutely. fucking It's the greatest game in the world. Yeah. I actually wanted to, Amy Poehler and I were going to do a Twitter account. A fake Lauren Twitter account. Oh, that's so good. And she was she was too scared, isn't it? She was too scared to do it. Oh, should have done it. He knows we all should have done it. He knows, he knows we love him. We talk he about knows him we imitate him. Who in the world gets talked about more? No, everybody. He, it, Mike, talks I'm about Lauren you, Michaels. Every the, I would love I think to he's be talked about that much. I know, and and to be quoted like mm-hmm. that. Hmm. We would come in when, when I was doing Parks and Rec, we would do, and what's great is I have this, I've worked with all these generations of people who knew Lauren in different time. I mean, you're one, one era of Saturday yeah. Night Live. Yeah. Amy's totally another era. Right. And yet the one constant is Lauren's quotes. Yeah. And they're good. They wanted her to do the Golden Gloves again with Tina. Mm. And this is a great one. And uh, she didn't know, if, and they'd crushed it. Right. And they thought, well, is it being, you know, should I do it again? Whatever. And she goes, so I called Lauren and says, 
Um, I don't think you should do it next year at all. I think you should do it next year and the year after that. <laughs> How am I going to miss you if you never go away? Ah, uh, it's a good one. That's one of his. Mike, as you get older, you find yourself being drawn to wood. <laughs> um, well, at the end of the day, it gets dark. <laughs> I, I love that you. We got to spend time doing this, but we need we need more. We need more of it. We need uh, yes, we, we need to get our kids together. I mean, yeah. Give Kelly my love. I haven't seen her in, in forever. How's she? She good? Fantastic. We're we're here in in quarantine. You know, we wish this wasn't happening, but feel very grateful that we can all hang out. And you know, it's one of those things of bad news that this horrible thing is happening. Good news. In my case, that I'm grateful for is just having so much time with the kids. So that's been great. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the same. And they're good people. They're the best people you'd ever want to know. That doesn't surprise me. Of course, we wanted healthy kids. Everybody does. And we're very grateful that they're healthy. And we wanted kids that are attentive. But I didn't ever dare wish for eccentric kids. And I have... All three. They're smart, they're healthy, and they're eccentric. I love that. They came out who they are. It's pretty amazing. Silly. They're silly, too, which is good. Thank God. It sounds like you have, um, you all have already understood the great quote about parenting, which is, parents will do anything, anything for their kids except let them be who they are. Right. Right. But what do I know about anything? You don't know anything about parenting. It's just the constant, like, what do I do? What do I do? Look, at the end of the day, you're still Mike Meyer. <laughs> I never said that, says Bernie. This is our, our mutual manager, Bernie Brillstein, Bernie Brillstein who is yeah. a legend. Legend. When Bernie died, a type of show business died with him. Would you not agree? It was, it was the last vestige of the larger-than-life fun show business. Oh, frankly, like a Colonel Tom Parker. Back to the Colonel. Yeah. Bernie was Bernie was a five ticket ride. Mike, you called him up. What is that? You called him up one day, asking some advice and maybe a little bit of vulnerability. Yes, it was right after my dad died, and I was talking to him. He came over to Saturday Night Live, and I was sitting there and I was devastated. You know, after my dad died, and he went, "Mike, you got a hit movie. Your dad's up there. He's seeing it. You know, he's seeing it. He's seeing all of it. He's happy for you." This is a good time, kid. It's a really good time. I said, thank you, Bernie. That means a lot to me. He goes, because at the end of the day, you know, we're in the Mike Meyer business. <laughs> I was like, Myers. It's actually Myers. He got my name wrong. <laughs> but he claims he never said that. But I was amused beyond. Oh, uh, <laughs> I forgot about the, the part where. He, and he's oh, like, I forgot about that fucking asshole keeps saying I said that. I never said that. How about I didn't? I didn't. He did. He knows he did. Now, Some, love somewhere Bernie. up there, he knows. He knows he did. He well, did. that's okay. It doesn't matter. It's it's just really funny. That's all. Look, and at the end of the day, mm. the notion that I would have a podcast with Mike Meyer on it. <laughs> that I would be talking to somebody who's played the colonel. It just tells you that all you need is a Canadian dollar and a dream. 
Mike, the first time you play the colonel, you just want to look like him. The second time you play the colonel, you're you want hoping to you have him. the voice down. And the him. third time, you've eaten all of the food they've provided from the colonel. The fourth time... <laughs> it's finger licking it's, good. The fifth time... You're licking more than the fingers. And then the seventh time... You know, I, I think once you know the 11 secret herbs and spices, a little bit of mystery is lost. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Let's all right, end I this. love you, man. All right. I love, love you. you. Rob, talk to you soon. Bye. I'm sad now. I'm, I'm sad that I don't get to see my buddy as much as I love. You, you know how you run into an old friend and you go, God damn, that person really is great. We got to spend more time together. That's, that's what I'm feeling right now. Um, Mike and I need to do the umpteenth iteration of Lauren's List. I'm sorry, by the way, for boring you all with that. I'm sure you're all like, we don't care. Stop talking. I know you guys know Lorne Michaels. Big whoop-de-fucking-do. Move on. Talk about something we care about. Forgive me. I'm sorry that we did that. But I hope you did enjoy it as much as I did. And I hope you got to see a side of Mike that that I know that very few people get to see. And just how thoughtful he is and how his mind – how about how his mind works? Look, there are a lot of funny people. But of all of the funny people, nobody's mind works like Mike's does. And I think – Um, That really came through in our talk, so I'm really glad. Anyway, thanks for listening, and uh, next week we got another doozy, so um, don't forget to download that one. See you on that podcast, Literally with Rob Lowe. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced and engineered by me, Devin Torrey Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.